They charge a torso and live here Drip tears down on the concrete jungle Where socks still slouch and the sauce is bum Welcome to Insert Name Here Is that, that can't be, is that right? Your weekly rundown of what the hell just went down here in D.C. And why it matters to normal people And not just your creepy neighbor who walks around naked without any curtains Wait, well, We're your guides I'm Scott Remley, Democratic strategist with the firm Vaccaro Blue and aspiring beach volleyball player. And I'm Ian Taranji, immigration attorney with Rodriguez and Santa Bria. Uh, today is Sunday, May 21. Uh, Ian, what the fuck just happened? Uh, you know, it's been, I guess I would describe it as like a really, really slow, slow week of news. Agreed very sort of language, you know, like a summer day so were you like me were slow, you slow lazy river you know with planting your, your flower gardens your line sitting you know you're barefoot nah. outside just soaking in the sun it's been just very very White. languid i think languid is the is the word Andy um actually song, that's yeah. that's called being facetious has been anything but that has been fucking crazy crazy like what all right so I was watching Bill Maher last night, and he actually encapsulated this pretty nicely and in a screenshot that I was able to take on my phone and then later jot down. This is Trump scandals, you know, any one of which of these you would put on a spectrum between this is pretty big news to, oh, my God, what the fuck? This is just in the last two weeks. He fired Jim Comey, as we discussed last week. Right, head of the FBI leading the Russia investigation. Remarkable. Admitted that Russia is a reason that he fired Jim Comey. He admitted as such to one Lester Holt of NBC News. So he had the Russians, some Russian folks in the Oval Office, uh, Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov and the U.S. or the Russian ambassador to the United States, Sergei Kislyak, who is a, um, what's the colloquial term for that? He's a spy. Spy? Spy. That's a technical term. In the Oval Office. Interesting. He provided these Russians with uh, classified intelligence from Israel. Did you see the quote of what he said? Somebody finally got the quote. Literally what he said was something to the, the, it's not quite exact, but the attributed quote is pretty close to something like, I get the best intel. They brief me all the time. I have the best (laughs) intel. And then he proceeded to... Talk about it in detail. Right. With a country that is quite clearly not in our corner. By the way, blowing the cover of one potential guy who's in ISIS, like, working with us now. Well, Good listen, on you, sir. Listen, Benjamin Netanyahu may be thrilled that Donald Trump is president, but the Israelis uh, are not happy with their intelligence <laughs> being given to an ally of Iran and Syria, which is what Russia is. So anyway, but that's that we haven't even gotten to the oh my god what the fuck right. stuff. The, the, Comey has no, memos. Comey has memos. Right, where he literally wrote down, "Hey, just in case I shit goes sideways, here's what happened." Like God bless Jim Comey. Do any of us have the presence of mind to do that? I'm a lawyer and I don't even fucking do that. I'm like, "Eh, I'll, I'll remember it." <laughs> See, it's like it's like being smart enough to be like, "Oh, hey, I'm I'm going to pay a guy to like fix my car." I'm going to make sure to record the entire conversation ahead of time, just in case. Like, it's, 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 like, it's like a written estimate. It's amazing. I know, I know, I know. It's, it's, well, it's contemporaneous records, and 
Uh, all I know is that in a court of law, those are given uh, a fair amount of evidentiary weight. So, but we're <laughs> we're about halfway done. Well, yeah. What do you think the conversation was at home with Comey and the wife? How was your How was your day? I wrote another book report about Trump. I don't know, Jim. Maybe this isn't the right job for you. <laughs> Uh, it turns out that uh, President Trump knew that Mike Flynn was under investigation for being, being a foreign agent of Turkey when Mike, he was hired as the national security director. Right, Mike Flynn being the first national security director who was fired for being too close to... Russia. Russia. But he apparently he's being paid by Turkey, too. Good on him. Turkey, you know, they're mostly an ally, but uh, they don't like us working with the Kurds. And suddenly we have a plan, a military plan to uh, strike, for, to have Kurdish uh, separatists striking Raqqa, which is, what is that, functionally the capital of ISIS-controlled territory. Yeah. Um, and we decided to abort that on the recommendation of the national security director, who was Mike Flynn. It's, that who is, was working for Turkey. Right. It doesn't like the Kurds, who it, told him not to do this Right, not let, to not let the Kurds do a good thing, because God forbid they might do a good thing. And then there were protests outside the the Turkish embassy this right. week about all this, and there's speculation that actually part of the reason that the that the uh, Turkish security like beat the hell out of the protesters was because Erdogan, the president of Turkey, basically said it was cool to do it, <laughs> and because Trump's that still that close with Flynn, like he still apparently whines all the yeah. time. I wish I never had to fire him. <laughs> that like that's kind of why we all turned to like the the U.S. security turned a blind eye to it. It's a I feel like I feel like Erdogan just got done watching Lethal Weapon Two and told these guys, "Listen, you got <laughs> you got diplomatic immunity." I just it's like a, it's like an episode of the Muppet that's my, that's Show. My, that's my Turkish impression. It's like an, it's like, it's like the Muppet Show. Like Trump is he's like a, he's like a brain damaged Kermit, like just running around all the time going. Nah! And and while this is a, yeah. not a visual medium, he's flapping his arms while everything goes to hell around him and thinks it's great. It's, if you can just imagine a brain damaged Kermit the Frog. So that is the scandals, and that I feel like we're burying the lead because what I see as the biggest news that's come out over the last 10 to 14 days is that um, now the Deputy Attorney General uh, Rod Rosenstein, former U.S. Attorney uh, for the state of Maryland, uh, appointed Robert Mueller, the former head of the FBI, as special counsel investigating the Russia matter. Um, I feel like this is really, really huge news. You know, this is not mm -hmm. somebody who is an impartial fact finder just looking out to parse out the truth. You know, these are investigators. These are bureau investigators who are going to be looking, actively looking for criminal activity. Um, now, I know it's it may be impossible to conceive of. Donald Trump or anyone around him engaging in criminal activity. Uh, but now they have dedicated investigators with resources and uh, and I think also a lot of cachet and credibility behind them well, Mueller, looking for stuff. Mueller for sure, right? Mueller was, it was almost universally respected. The guy is like a dog on a bone, or at least that's his reputation. Right. He got burned a little bit in like the late 90s for doing a little bit of political work while he was U.S. attorney. Mm -hmm. And it seems like he learned his lesson from that and is very much one of these sort of just like good guy. We're going to find the facts. We're going to find the truth. We're going to get to the bottom of this. I don't care who I kick in the nuts on yeah. the way. The other part that I think is is remarkable about this is, you know, Rod Rosenstein now holds a unique position in this town. 
he is the only person that successfully forced Trump to change his behavior. <laughs> Trump ran out. He got the ass. He wanted Comey gone. He admitted he yeah. wanted Comey. He told Lester Holt he wanted Comey to be gone. Because, you know. He did say that. Actually, I have a quote up here if you want to. Right. Goes, then goes to the Department of Justice, basically says, like, all right, I need a legal rationale to fire this guy. Write me something that's going to let me fire him. Rosenstein says, okay, like, that's your job. You're appointed by the president. The president says, I want to do something. Help me do it. Like, okay, that's your job. That's what a good lawyer does is they try to find a way. He writes this thing down. Trump runs out and says, well, I only fired him because DOJ does. And <laughs> Rosenstein literally goes to the White House and stands in there and says, either you tell them the truth or I do. And within eight hours, Trump was out there going, well, look, I wanted him gone the whole time. I just asked <laughs> yeah. them to give me a reason. So then Ron Rosenstein is the first person to actually be able to force Trump yeah. to do something that he didn't want to do. Right. That's right. And that's... That's, That's remarkable. remarkable. It, 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 it just, it Ivanka, really is. Ivanka hasn't been able to do it? Nope. Jared, bless his soul. Jared Kushner has bless not been able to do it. Bless his Such a hard trier. Bless his heart. But that's true, right? The whole theory, like the part of the message that gets put out, right, is that, yes, we like nobody can dispute Trump's crazy person. Even, the, even like your most hardline Republican can look at him and be like, okay, this isn't what we had in mind. <laughs> you know, like, I, I know we said we wanted this, like, clearly we didn't get it. But the idea is, okay, but there are grownups around him who will help corral him. Rosenstein's the first grownup that's actually corralled him. Everybody yep. else has suggested things, and then he just pinballs all over the place, like some some sort of, like, coke-addled squirrel at an acorn right, convention. Right. But I will say this, um, Rosenstein's memo... Justifying the firing of the FBI director, I thought was, as an attorney, I thought was pretty weak sauce. Um, very little in the way of legal rationales for doing so. A lot in the way of sort of like the the Fox News heuristic of of well, Democrats said this back in twenty, you know, in in early twenty seventeen about Jim Comey, and this Democrat said this about Jim Comey, and so we were right. It was a know, press release. Yeah, it, it was a press. A it was yeah. I mean, it was like Sean Spicer's where it was like a first year like a first-year attorney who wrote that and had to, like, start writing it at 2 a.m. <laughs> and it had to be on the boss's desk at 9 a.m. So, um, you know, I would, I, would, I would just point out one other thing, and this is sort of the, 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 the benefit of the history and the hindsight. I mean, I would look at the, the Bill Clinton investigation, the Ken Starr, Bill Clinton, Whitewater investigation. What started out as an investigation into um, potential yeah, uh, shenanigans in a... Uh, land deal that the Clintons were involved in became, uh, you know, an investigation into obstruction of justice for Clinton giving a, a, an, an, an incorrect and, you know, obviously uh, <laughs> willfully, willfully, misleading, willfully right. misleading, a.k.a. lying answer in a deposition, right. uh, which is, you know, very problematic. It's criminal activity. Um, and, it, you know, it, but it just shows you the scope of what. Mueller's investigation can find, which is to say that there really is no scope. I mean, they're digging into all of these yeah, records. They're bound to find something. The other point that I would make is, you know, what happens with investigations in Congress? Because the Mueller investigation, you know, the Ken Starr investigation, we had a lot of leaks and we learned a lot about that investigation as it went Mueller on. Runs a tighter I think Mueller is going to run a tighter ship. And yep. so is Congress going to step back? Are the Republicans going to use this as an excuse to step back and say, we don't really need to do so much investigation anymore. Or um, are we going to have still 
people testifying, you know, in, so, in public fora. Part of what we've seen now, too, is that Trump apparently, you know, he really he he wants this investigation to stop for any number of reasons. Right. And, you know, part of what they're doing now is they're trying to figure out, like, if they can argue that Mueller has a conflict of interest. I suspect that if I if I'm a congressional Republican right now, what I say, it would, like, I stand against the president on that particular point, And I say, look, we have someone investigating. Let it go. Because Mueller doesn't have, though, the same broad mandate that an independent counsel appointed by Congress with no, like basically right. answers to no one right. is that. So well, that brings us to the end of our first segment. We'll be back in a moment for uh, our, uh, our second segment, a new one carefully entitled Moron or Asshole. You're listening to Insert Name Here. You're listening to Insert Name Here because neither Ian nor I are smart enough to come up with a name. Ahem. <clears throat> but, well, Ahem. Do you have something in your throat? I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, in the Politically meantime. Politically transmitted disease. Okay, we already said no to that. But if I, you have an idea for what to call this, you can tweet me in at wokesince84 on Twitter. And we're not going to politically transmitted diseases. We're not. Who hurt you? Yes. We're back with insert name here. We're in our second segment of the day entitled Moron or Asshole. Ian? <laughs> I'd say there's ample evidence for both. And Who's our, nominee? our nominee for Moron or Asshole this week won Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. The third. Ta-da. Otherwise known to you and me and to his, uh, I'm sure, extended family as Jeff Sessions or (laughs) Mr. Attorney General. Mr. Attorney General. So Mr. Attorney General this week uh, issued some very sweeping new guidance on criminal charging um, among his federal prosecutors. Uh, He gave this guidance to federal prosecutors. And that guidance essentially is to... Seek the max penalty that you can reasonably prove, you know, at all times that that is our default position and really has stripped away a lot of discretion among federal prosecutors in what they charge and how they can sometimes avoid mandatory minimum sentences on fairly low level drug crimes. Um, Which was, by the way, this is very similar to. The entire strategy undertaken in the 80s under, you know, Ronald Reagan of three yep. strikes laws, go for the max every time. We actually had a lot of that under Bill Clinton as well. In True. The early years, yeah. Most of which I think we can all agree has resulted in, you know, Mess. overcrowded prisons, people in jail for clearly far more than any violation is worthwhile. Right. You know, the so-called prison industrial complex made with. You know, that was apparently, quote unquote, solved with for profit prisons that magically could come in and make a buck off of doing this. Yeah, because, you know, prisons and schools, those are a thing you should be making a buck off of. Well, and what it boils down to as well is who's getting hurt the most with these policies. Um, there are a lot of people that will get hurt with these policies, but as with many other, hang on, I'm gonna so I'm gonna write down three ideas, and then you'll talk about them. We're gonna see if I'm right. Ready? Oh, okay. We're gonna say, okay, Ian, cover your ears. All right. So Ian's ears are I'm covered. I'm not listening. So I'm going to guess that the people most hurt by this are uh, people of color, uh, immigrants, and the poor. All right, Ian, we're back. Go yes. for it. Yes. 
People of color, immigrants, and the poor. Ta-da! It's not even in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> and he still got it. How about that? Uh, I mean, look, we, you know, let's give sessions, you know, I really want to kind of dig into this. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I like for, uh, you know, our discussions, our little, our little insert name here podcast to be more than just sort of like the, the Trump bitch fest. There's any number of places that you can go for that. Um, and we'll probably do it better than we can. What I like to do is really sort of dig in and what's, what's going on because, as crazy as shit has gotten with this presidency and with this government, these are issues that that are important and that do affect people's lives and that don't require, you know, Paul Ryan wrangling, uh, you know, moderates and Tea Party members uh, in under the same banner. So this is something that Jeff Sessions has been doing. And I want to find out if this is if he's doing this to be an asshole or if he's doing it because he thinks that this is the best way uh, to deal with crime and to deal with drugs and to deal with. Uh, you know, a whole host of ills. Um, so, you know, I want to give a little bit of fair reading to what he has to say. And so he sees a recent uptick in in crime, particularly in cities, and he sees that as a trend that needs to be, you know, addressed. But I think it's important to point out, you know, we've got a lot of statistics that violent crime has decreased uh, massively, massively over the last 10 to 20 years. Right. It's been dropping basically since the early 90s. And that's not to say that it's not there. It's not to say that it's not different. It's not. It's not to say that certain problem, cities are. There aren't yeah. victims out there that are still suffering in their families and things like that. Of course. But you're absolutely right. Like, you know, it has been, it has decreased, you know, since 1993, violent crime has decreased, what, 50%, something like that, according to the Pew Research Center. Yep. Which which has a great data set. If you are if you are curious, you want to dig into this more, you you Google them at the Pew Resource Center. That's P E W. But they have all kinds of information about this that can frankly help you argue with your creepy uncle at family dinner <laughs> who wants to sit there and say like the country's going to hell in a handbasket. Like it's not all right, Sparky. Let's back that up. <laughs> You know, but it, like, I mean, just take uh, it. In we, 19... are, we are actually going to hell in a handbasket. Well, maybe, sure, we are, but maybe, not... maybe you haven't looked around. I mean, yeah, but, yes. <laughs> you're right, Uncle Mike, for more than you know. Um, but, you know, in 1993, your your violent crime rate was, you know, about 8%, right? 80 crimes per thousand people aged 12 and up. Yeah. You know, so that's a 8 per 100 for, you know, non children, 8%. Now it is about a quarter of that. Yeah. It's twenty. It's twenty three per one thousand. So two point three percent. You can't sit here and say like America is becoming a lawless Armageddon, uh, akin to you know yeah. it's uh, the purge. <laughs> right. It's not. We don't live in Mad Max. Yeah. You know. So it, not yet. Anyway. Well, good Lord, willing. And there's lots of other data out there too. Well, it's funny. You know, I mean, you actually have. You know, we keep talking about, you know, one of the, the very few areas where there seems to be genuine bipartisan consensus on an issue. And criminal justice reform, not the sort of Jeff Sessions version of criminal justice reform, but a more sane version of criminal justice reform is supported by all kinds of libertarians, people like Mike Lee, people like Senator Rand Paul. Rand Paul recently came out and said that mandatory minimums, for example, quote, unfairly and disproportionately incarcerated too many minorities for too long. And, you know, and it's... it's When Rand it's, Paul's a voice of reason, we're through the looking glass. <laughs> it's, 
he can be a voice of reason on a lot of issues because he is willing to break with with sort of Fox News orthodoxy, uh, you know. But yeah, but yeah. Um, you know, be that as it may, you have to. But I also feel that you have to look at this through a couple of other lenses. Um, the first lens being you had sessions earlier in the year um, upon taking office, one of the first things that he did was reverse a directive that was put in by the Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates. Um, under President Obama. Under President Obama. Basically to 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 adopt the the, the guidance of, of Eric Holder in how to sentence low level drug offenders, nonviolent drug offenders, many of whom are many of whom are minorities. And and he he and the directive was to use fewer uh, resources devoted to private prisons, to rely on private prisons less. He undid that. And so now we have a situation where he wants to incarcerate more people. He wants to empower private prisons. And, you know, it's... it's Which is insane. It's an insane, insane situation. And when you also look at it in context of uh, how how the Justice Department is stepping back from its role of oversight of local police uh, jurisdictions. I mean, it's almost like they're basically saying to the law enforcement apparatus of this country, have fun. Go ahead. Have at it. Right. I mean, it, it is all of these steps will have a couple of specific outcomes. Number one, we will see a reversal of the trend of, you know, under President Obama, we did. We saw, you know, low level drug offenses, low level criminal offenses like they dropped. Yep. And frankly, a lot of those were getting committed by younger, like a lot, plenty of them were frankly teenagers. Yeah, They were kids making poor choices. Every kid makes a poor choice. Uh, you know, show me, show me an adult who says, I never made a poor choice as a child. And I will show you someone who was like homeschooled by bears. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm an adult and I still make poor choices. God damn it. You're sitting across <laughs> from me. That's just the worst decision you made today. But, you know, it, I mean, it's remarkable, too, that part of the reason that the president walked and and, and that Eric Holder said, hey, we're, we're going to tone down this private prison stuff is they did a really, really detailed study on this, comparing very much apple to apples of Bureau of Prison operated federal prisons versus for profit operations run by companies like the Corrections Corporation of America. You mm-hmm. can find them in the stock market. Yep. And one of the things they discovered is like when you compare them apples to apples. In the ones that are run by the federal government, it's less expensive. You have fewer incidents of violence in the in the prisons. The guards are safer. Your your incarcerated inmates are safer. And you know, like I was saying earlier, like there are some things that like it, it's great. This is America. You can you know you get what you want. You can pay for it with credit card. We can sell just about anything. What we aren't though is watch me bring this all full circle. Russia. Like, uh, you know, my fiance, uh, you know, uh, my, she, she had to go to Russia once for work. And she said, like, the thing that you notice there is that it feels like anything is for sale. And it's not here where it's like, yeah, you could buy whatever you want. Like, anything is for sale. You want, you, like, people? Sure, not a problem. You want to buy some guy's spleen? They'll find you somebody to do that. Like, it's insane. You want a toe? I can get a toe. Right. Like, you, you talk to me about toes. You think in width, you think in girth. Like, where you want to go with this? Hair? No hair? Talk to me. Like, that was the sense of Russia is that everything is for sale. There are things that shouldn't be for sale. And one of them is, like, managing prisons, where we're trying to right. help people figure out ways 
nobody active like there are very few people in the world i think that actively go out and they're like you know what i want to be when i grow up a violent criminal like no one yeah. says that and so it's three square meals a day man Come right on. i mean it, it's a gym win. facilities oh man that's what i've always wanted to do is live in a concrete box you know and so <laughs> you know but the like these these they made it very clear like we're, we're not getting the benefits we should yeah. and this is how this stuff is supposed to work right republicans said like oh we'll try privatizing things and the Democrats basically kind of shrugged because we were on the ropes at the time. And we said, like, all right, let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And on virtually all of them, it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked with privatizing schools. It hasn't worked with privatizing medicine. It hasn't worked with privatizing prisons. Like, it doesn't work. And so somehow, noted moron or asshole, Jeff Sessions has said, I know we can prove it doesn't work, but that's just because it works. So we're going to do more of it. It's like, no. So you're saying asshole, not moron. I am. I, you know what? This week, I'm the, like, dang, I'm taking asshole. Asshole. Okay, now, on one top vote of this, for asshole. Now, Baron, I, want, I want Mike's vote. Moron hey, or Mike, asshole. Mike, what do you got? Uh, he's more of an asshole. All right. Asshole. Clean so, sweep on assholes. Ding, ding, ding. Clean sweep. But it, I'm going with asshole. With the light. Like with, with a soup sauce, a, little, a, a creme fresh of morons. Just, just like a, just like a, a dollop. There it is, a dollop of more. <laughs> you know now why? And then the, the so the fundamental question now we have is, we we know that private prisons don't work. They're right. ramming it through anyway. Democrats will vote against it by and large. Right. Republicans vote for it. Why? That is a simple answer because it's as simple as follow the money. And if you look at who these private prison corporations, and these are like publicly traded corporations, they have stock. Corporations, uh, Corrections Corporation of America is the largest private prison operator right. in the world. Look at who their executives and their political action committee, which is the corporate money they, they're allowed to spend on taxes, look who they give to. Because it's all Republicans on these committees. Yep. They write checks, and then they get votes. Quid pro quo is a Latin term. It means this for that. And it is the term used to to describe bribes. And like, that's a lot of what this is. It's legalized bribery. And so, and as a result, you know, people are dying in prisons through right. no fault of their own. Or being imprisoned. Right. When they really shouldn't be. Right. You know, Jeff Sessions may sit here and say, Mostly oh, Mostly minorities. Right. Right. People of color are dying in here. And it's because, you know, Sessions will sit there and say, oh, we're not targeting the, we're not targeting the drug dealers. That's not a very good Jeff Sessions, but- you know, we're we're targeting the dealers, not the nonviolent offense. Jeff Sessions wouldn't know the difference right. between like a drug kingpin and a fifteen year old trying to scrape together some money to be able to take a girl out on a date if you if you'd like kicked him in the head with it. And so that's what he has. Is we, they're going for these super prosecutions. Are we're you switching? Are you switching back to moron? I uh, no. It's it's because it's still it's, asshole. It's still asshole right. because that's the only reasonable explanation. Okay. He knows what he's doing is wrong. He's doing it anyway. So we've got we've got a clean sweep three dash zero on asshole Jefferson Beauregard Sessions the third. All right. When we return, we're going to talk about President Trump's first foreign trip. Nothing like running away from your problems. What could go wrong? You're listening to insert name. If this were a real podcast with more than, I'll just charitably say, a handful of listeners, um, we might have actual advertising, um, but since we don't, we have to just use these little breaks to um, solicit show ideas. So if you have any ideas of topics that you want to hear us talk about, 
or people that you would like to suggest that we uh, talk to about certain issues. Um. <laughs> what Ian was going to say, it was tweet us at since 84 Remember to make sure to mock Ian because not only can I make him break during these, but he can't make it through them himself. I can't. And we're back. So, this is exciting, exciting times, exciting times in the Trump administration. I think if you were working in the Trump administration, you're probably thinking to yourself, thank God we can leave the United States. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, how much worse could this get? Just get away. Let's just go. I'm sure it'll be like a vacation. We'll do a couple hours of work, and then you know we'll be hanging out by the pool. It's just gonna be all good. So, Listening to some, just like some Christopher Cross. I'm I gotta hope so. Sailing away. I hope so. Uh, so I'm calling this segment uh, President Trump's first foreign trip. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? So let me give you the itinerary. Uh, the rough itinerary, not not date so much. As we're recording this Sunday afternoon. Uh, the president is, I believe, wrapping up his trip to uh, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia as part of this little junket, this portion of the junket. Um, the Saudi Arabians uh, consummated a $10 billion that's a lot of zeros. Arms deal. That's, uh, that's $10 billion worth that. of weapons. That uh, it's literally purchased. a one in ten zero. They're also they're also bombing Yemen, by the way, in a a fairly brutal uh, bombing campaign with uh, American made weapons. With American made weapons, ostensibly to root out, I believe it's the Houthi rebel uh, sect. Um, but there's a lot of collateral damage going on that the Saudis seem to be fine with. We seem to be okay with not calling them on it, and in fact, it looks like we're continuing to arm them. The other part of uh, Donald Trump's trip to Saudi Arabia, and um, and again, this is the problem with doing these when news is literally happening at the moment. So we haven't had a chance to digest it, um, but we do have some notes on what he plans to say uh, to the broader uh, Muslim world. Uh, what Donald Trump plans to address, uh, mind you, this society. is a this is a broader Muslim world that last night in Iran reelected the moderate. President, like, and yeah, it's, you know, it's 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 it, this is all relative, Rouhani. but like, right, reelected Rouhani, and not the like crazy right wing, you know, their version of Trump. Like they right. re- they reelected the moderate, basically said like, you know what, we're we're tired of being pariahs. We'd we'd <laughs> like to, I'd, I'd really like to be able to. We don't know what happens on the fourth season of Lost yet. We can't get the DVDs here. I mean, think about how far behind that is. <laughs> they they still think it's a smoke monster. My God. Well, and it's remarkable. The Saudi Arabia deal, too, you know, part of the the arms deal, just to jump back, you yeah. know, totally ruin your flow. No, no, no. Um, you know, part of this deal, too, like the New York Times is reporting today that Jared Kushner, the wonderkin, like stepped in, looked at the pricing they were getting, and then called the U.S. weapons manufacturers and got them a, and got the Saudis a better deal. So, A, if we're going to be selling arms to everybody, and like, it's a thing that the U.S. government and the United States does, and like, you can feel a lot of different ways about it. We're good at it. But what we probably shouldn't be doing is negotiating against ourselves. Like, <laughs> our job is to get the best deal for a company here, not the like oh, the worst deal. 
So not only did he then get the Saudis a better deal, they turned around and yesterday wrote a hundred million dollar check to the uh, entrepreneur, the UN Entrepreneurship Fund, the very one that Ivanka Trump is like parading around and talking about and saying how wonderful it is. And I'm not saying that that's a bad program, but when you get a guy a deal and then he basically takes that money and gives it to your wife's uh, pet project, that's mm. definitely not trying to curry favor in any way. Yeah, yeah. It's um, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, this speech to the broader Muslim world. Again, mm-hmm. we haven't heard it delivered. I'm sure uh, seeing it in the written word, um, actually articulated, uh, as opposed to hearing Donald ramble on, uh, maybe you can catch a little more nuance. So just a, a quick quote here, uh, at least from what's been released in advance. This is not a battle between different faiths, different sects, or different civilizations. This is a battle between barbaric criminals who seek to obliterate human life and decent people, all in the name of religion, people that want to protect life and want to protect their religion. This is a battle between good and evil. So, you know, this is another issue, Scott, you and I have discussed this whole whole issue of, you know, Trump as masterminding the the takeover of the GOP or Trump as useful idiot being used by That's sort right. of GOP career right. GOP people to push GOP talking points and GOP you know uh, uh, policies um, you know this kind of sounds like something you could you could easily hear George W Bush That's exactly what saying, I was thinking um, and and which I think we would say you know there's a there's a joke that I've seen on the internet about like you know every year since 2008 George W Bush has said like do you miss me yet <laughs> you miss me yet? And everyone says, no. Until 2017, you miss me now? And everybody goes, yes! My <laughs> God, yes. It is. I mean, that's... Little did we know. You know, that was a lot of his rhetoric of yeah. good versus evil, but he did make sure to be very clear about this is not a battle between faiths, which, right. I, you know, that's an important thing to highlight. Because not everybody believes that. Right. There it, are it, plenty of people. There are plenty... Right, plenty of people who believe people that here, and plenty of people abroad, right, who believe that this that's exactly what this that is. it's a Muslim problem, right? That this is nothing more than an extenuation of the Crusades. That it's still the Christians trying to obliterate the Muslim world, and the Muslims trying to fight back. Yeah, and there are arch right wingers here that say, like, "Yep, that's what this is. Time to finish the job. Like, finish what job? What? <laughs> we took a thousand year time out. Like, I don't even understand." Pope Constantine withdrew our troops too soon in That's fourteen right. in fourteen twelve. Right, exactly. <laughs> we, he he told them all, he had a we secret had them plan. on the run. We had them on the run. Exactly. Right. So this is just the first stop in the what could go what could possibly go wrong tour uh, from Saudi Arabia. He's going to go to Israel, which I would I would have thought a, a couple of days ago was going to be a real softball. Netanyahu and I mean it's obviously it's a uh, very heavy Likud right wing government in Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu is a very vocal fan of Donald Trump's during the campaign, um, which you know may well have been just his you know utter distaste for Hillary Clinton uh, as well. But um, you know I would have thought that this was going to be a softball, you know meatball down the down the middle of the plate that he could just knock out of the park. Uh, until this whole Intel deal in the in the Oval Office that we talked about back in the first segment. What do you think that like? What, what do you think the you know we talked the other day about like what were the conversations like when Xi Jinping flew home? To which my assessment was probably they all looked around and went, "Oh my God, this guy's a moron." 
Like, what's going to yes. happen? There's always that closed door meeting that they have where no one's in the room. Yeah. If you're Netanyahu, do you basically just go, what the hell? Like, what is the matter with you? What the hell were you thinking? Well, I mean, do you just sit there and know, like, I can't say anything to him yeah. because this bumbling moron could very well, like, just go out and talk about it in front of the cameras? Like, well, we know, we know already that uh, many of our allies have discussed withholding critical yeah, withhold, They're just not going to tell us stuff anymore because they know, like, well, you never know. Right. That's right. insane. That is insane. That's how, like, if we are locked in an epic battle between barbarians who want to kill people and, like, the rest of the world, now what we've agreed is, like, yes, we're locked in this epic battle, but the first thing we can't do is coordinate very well with each other. Because right. Captain Asshole over there might just very well go and start, like, you know, tweeting about it. And let's, 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 Let's be real it's here. It's a technical term, by the way. Captain asshole. Captain asshole. Yes. yes. So I heard that. That was nice. It's engine. Um, Israelis cannot be happy about this, uh, about Russians getting their intel. The Russians no. are in the region. They are allied with Syria and Iran. Uh, those are not, not friendly states to the state of Israel by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you had Benjamin Netanyahu actually in what I thought was an unprecedented display of disrespect for an American president came and addressed a joint session of Congress uh, uh, denouncing denouncing the negotiated deal with Iran on the basis that these were crazy people who couldn't be dealt with and, uh, you know, who, who, who are, are who PS very problematic, yeah. Have completely complied with all the regulations, and even the Trump administration had to certify, like, last week, like, yeah, they've, they've done everything they were supposed yeah. to. Yeah. So the last two stops on this tour are the Vatican... And then Brussels, where he's going to have uh, Trump is going to sit in on a meeting of NATO and a meeting of the G7. <laughs> so I imagine our G7 and NATO allies await with bated breath. I, I can't the Im- wisdom, well, sure. the the brilliance, the intellect, the incisive that he will bring forth. Strategic. To which say, I, I mean, you know, what's it going to be? We should do the best thing. I'm better than all. How do what is the what do the NATO guys think when he walks in the room? He's actively sat there and said NATO is crap and should be gone. Yeah, and now he's saying now the best he's got is to say, well, I used to say NATO was crap and it should be gone, but now I've changed my mind. Right, like I, if you're NATO and he walks in, he, I had a ten minute conversation with Angela Merkel. Right, and like she really you, opened my eyes to a lot of issues. You, you know what? I would totally troll him. <laughs> I would have two seats open, and I'd be like, pick whichever one you want. And he sat down. I just lean in and be like, Are you sure? Do you want to switch the other one just in case? Troll, troll. And we kind of skipped over the Vatican. Uh, this Pope, Pope Francis, has God bless criticized, um, not necessarily by name, but he has criticized Donald Trump's policies on immigrants, refugees, the environment, the wall, which arguably would be part of uh, Donald Trump's immigration solutions. Economics. Um, economics, certainly. Well, I, I, yeah. I would say is a, it was it's a broader critique yes. of uh, sort of modern Western capitalism, um, of which Donald Trump is certainly a piece, and 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 you can certainly extend that critique to him personally. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually very curious how that's going to go. I'm sure, I'm sure Donald Trump is going to walk out in the first camera. He's going to see. He's going to say, "I loved it. It was great. It was uh, wonderful. It was a wonderful man. I was blessed." You know, I don't, I don't, I don't. You know, pride my, I don't really pride myself on doing a very good Trump. But when you know. when Francis comes out and talks, because that's the first time you'll find out what actually happened. 
He probably won't say much, I imagine. He'll probably... He'll be... say one thing that we'll be able to... He'll say like four <laughs> words that we'll be able to take apart for a month. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a new church. Frank's in charge, right? And Frank, <laughs> you know, nobody's ever going to declare them as like the, you know, the single most progressive organization on earth. But Frank mm. is dragging them kicking and screaming into like... The 20th like the, century. Right. The 1960s, yeah. the 1970s. Like, that's mm. a long way. It's hey, we, we turned down the Equal Rights Amendment here, too. I mean, like, you know, it's not... <laughs> We aren't exactly a bastion of independent and, uh, you know, yeah. incisive thought anyway. So I have here in my notes under uh, the meeting with Brussels uh, with the NATO and G7, what must the neighbors think? What must the neighbors think of our of our little, our little president? Um, all right. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the favorite things that we saw this week. You know, Scott, what's that, Ian? I just learned some really, really key inside baseball podcast. Really? Go yes. on. It's called a drop. A, what's a drop? I don't. I guess it's what we're doing. But, but I'm not. But I'm not doing anything right now. I'm asking mm-hmm. you what a drop is. Just like what we're doing. But, but what do you mean what we're doing? What we're doing you, is are we're you talk- suggesting that we're not doing anything. We're doing something. I obviously. Don't. I mean, I don't. I, <laughs> I agree to disagree on that particular I point. Mean, your heart is beating. Presumably, there's brain waves okay. going in your head. Okay. First of all, things are happening. First of all, we all know I don't have a heart. It's just a cold black piece of coal that I'm going to someday rip out and throw at the head of my father. <laughs> I win. It's that time, Scott. It is that time of the week. That glorious, glorious time of the week. This is a segment we like to call... What do we like to call this, Ian? My favorite thing I saw this week. You know, it's where we highlight something that gave you hope or made you smile or at least deadened the existential pain just a little bit. Ian, what was your favorite thing that you saw this week? I made a huge, potentially life-changing discovery. Really? Um, I mean, I'm actively now looking for uh, a pair of Sperry Topsiders. That's not good. Um, I discovered I have Sirius XM in my car, and I spend uh, an awful lot of time in my car. Um, and I just discovered Sirius XM's Yacht Rock station. Amazing. Amazing. Where has this been all my life? Where has this been? I, I turned it on. It's like... They're playing Ride Captain Ride. They're playing uh, Peg by Steely Dan. 99 by Toto. I mean, we're talking, we're talking top, top shelf, top shelf uh, uh, shit. In addition to, you know, your Christopher Cross. And, and, you know, it's, it's multi, multiracial. It spans, you know, there's also, you know, all night long, little uh, Lionel Richie. Uh, George Benson's Gimme the Night. Uh, of course, my all-time favorite. Yamo Be There. Like, this shit, this shit is, is, 
This shit blew my mind. So this shit blew my mind. You you are aware you're like 10 years late to the party on this, right? Listen, I can't help you, when like, I get hipped to shit. <laughs> all I know, all I know is this shit was amazing. This shit is amazing. If you like good music, because it's good music, a lot of it from the 80s, which is, you know, like when I grew up and I remember listening to it. My parents had it on the radio and shit. It was, uh... Uh, so it, it definitely takes me back and, uh, you, you learn to appreciate a little more, uh, things like Yamo Be There or Part-Time Lover. <laughs> so for those of you who aren't aware, Yacht Rock started out as a series of online video comedy sketches that were supposed to be about Kenny Loggins. Uh, it was supposed to be kind of a behind the music thing with guys playing like Kenny Loggins and stuff, trying to, uh, uh, you know, uh, fictitiously sort of tell the stories of how they wrote these ridiculous songs, many of which involve them like being drunk on boats in, you know, Don Johnson style, uh, you know, white linen suits with those just gorgeous. I would love, I would love to be, I would love to be drunk on a boat in Don Don Johnson style, listening to 99 by Toto. Should I get married in that? Like, should I do a white linen suit with like a, like an aqua t-shirt underneath? Only, only if you can drop the kit Ferrari that, uh, that, uh, <laughs> Don Johnson. Boy, that would be bad if I just like roared up at it and me in an attack alligator got out and I was just like, all right, no, roll the sleeves suit. up. Let's do this. White suit with the pink t-shirt underneath. Yes. yes. Oh my God. I think that would be terrific. Yes. And you have the physique for it. You pull I it do. Off. You, you know, pull it off. as, as a man of, uh, uh, uh noted insulation, I, I am prepared. <laughs> I, I, I am prepared to endure, uh, the global warming climate change of extreme cold. Um, no, but it went, so it went from these sketches and then like the music became hip and now there's this channel. It's so pervasive that the guy who does the PM drive time on 106.7 The Fan here, Mr. Chad Dukes. Hello, Mr. Dukes. Uh, he actually he's, does. He's not one of our listeners. He will be. He actually does Yacht Rock Thursdays and all of his bump music in and out, kind of like the music that Mike had, uh, had us play here, which we'll talk about in a minute. But all of his music in and out on Thursdays is all Yacht Rock. And so we'll get a little of that later. And Spotify has a Yacht Rock, a Sirius XM Yacht Rock playlist for you, all you Spotifyers out there. Um, Scott is not one. That's why we were not able to queue up. I am um, not. I'm not one. But I, I, I have a surprise for you at the end of the show, and you're going to be very excited about this. I love surprise. I'm like Donald Trump. I love surprises. It is. It's, it's like Christmas. All we need is a tree and a fat guy. All we need is a tree. Um, <laughs> My favorite thing that I saw this week was a little thing that y'all heard at the beginning of this segment is the theme from the original psychological David Lynch thriller, Twin Peaks, my friends. In 1990, Twin Peaks was the hottest pop culture phenomena. The question of who killed Laura Palmer gripped America and the small town of 51,026 in the evergreen state of Washington, Twin Peaks. I never watched. It was amazing. Kyle MacLachlan is as FBI agent Dale Cooper, uh, a really fascinating whodunit, uh, created, directed by David Lynch. Um, you know, it was a show in many ways before its time uh, because I, I just can't imagine what that would have been like in a social media world. And tonight we find out because they are bringing back Showtime is bringing back Twin Peaks. And Twin Peaks starts again tonight. And they've brought, they've managed to bring back all but about three or four of the characters. One passed away, or like two of them, I think, passed away. One is retired. One just didn't want to do it. That would be Lara Flynn Boyle, who's 
notoriously difficult, but it was a fascinating show. If you have never watched the original Twin Peaks, I have go not. go back and watch it because it is super weird. And here's how you know why, like how pervasive it was. When the question was who shot Mr. Burns, and you'll recall that during the investigation, as Smithers is doing all this, he hits his head and he has the dream where Lisa is like surrounded by flames and talking backwards, and she says, "Burns as you to." Burns a suit, and he goes, "What?" She goes, "Look in Burns's suit." That is directly a reference to Twin Peaks, where the the investigator, uh, Agent Cooper, has a dream where people are talking backwards to him the whole time. But this is how mm. he gains his profound insights. Mm. It's also a very classic, like mystery. You have uh, a uh, you have a uh, your your detective who is sort of all knowing. Every great detective always has a hobby, you know, for. Holmes that was playing the violin for uh, Wilkie Collins for the sergeant in the Moonstone, which is sort of considered the original detective novel. He tended roses. Um, Adam Dalgleish was a poet. For Dale Cooper, his thing is uh, Tibet. He is fascinated by Tibet. And uh, dropping detective, fiction detective knowledge. Right here, folks. These are pearls. Well, here's the problem. Is it Tibet or Nepal? Oh shit! Shit! I'm so, oh god! I'm such a cracker. I can't believe I'm I'm actually conflating these two nations. I'm a terrible human being, and I hope that's what everybody takes away from this. Anyway, it reboots tonight. I am so excited about this. Go watch the original Twin Peaks. It Very is cool. a go watch it trip, and it is remarkable. And so that's all for us this week. Um, you know, if you have an idea of something you want to hear us talk about, somebody you think we should talk to who knows what the hell they're doing, you can tweet at us at at Woke since eighty four. That is Ian Taranji's personal Twitter. We are yes. going to we are going to have a uh, we will have I swear Don't troll me. We'll have our own Twitter by next week. And uh, you know, while this podcast is insert name here, if you have an idea for our name, you can also tweet that to us uh, at Woke since eighty four. And if we choose your name, uh, you'll win this week's prize, which is a three week all expenses paid trip to Toledo. Uh, this this week's nominee. You, you do know I lived in Toledo for many years, don't you? Yeah. Hey, man. There, there's a reason. <laughs> Troll so hard, university. Um, it's actually I will say Toledo has the nicest public library I've ever been to. The downtown Toledo That's, public library is gorgeous. They have a great zoo too. They have a great zoo, and uh, I had a lovely childhood living in Toledo. So, what's our nominee for? Uh, what's our what's our the, last week? The nominee was uh, uh, politically transmitted diseases that right. was met with a resounding politically no. transmitted diseases. No. kind of. And what's what's still, what's uh, what's with that, what's this week's uh, nominee for the podcast name? This week's nominee for the podcast name is courtesy of my friend Matt Doherty, who is the executive producer of East Coast Grow, a fantastic fantastic show. My old band, The Lucky So-and-Sos, we recorded the theme music for this show, and it's amazing stuff. You can catch webisodes on YouTube. You can just search East Coast Grow. Matt's idea for our podcast name is... Get the reggae horn ready. (laughs) Politico de Gallo. Politico de Gallo. No. 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 No, sorry, sorry, Matt. Sorry, Matt. I, 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 no. I promised Matt I would get the reggae horn in. And <laughs> he thought he thought that would up its chances at being uh, uh, being selected. Well, that's a good effort. And uh, in the meantime, if you have anything you want to talk to us about, again, tweet us at uh, woke since eighty four. I'm Scott Remley. He's Ian Taranji. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.
the drums are going tonight. And she 